What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt, back at it again. Big weekend, both locals in action. We have a World Series champion in the MLB. We'll go around the league, of course. And, you know, Jets, Monday Night Football. Uh, I will be in attendance. Matt, I think you were considering going to be in attendance, but uh, attendance or not, how are we doing today? I'm doing all right. Yeah, still, still considering, uh, you know, big game for sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, we'll get we'll get to the Jets for sure, but definitely a big game. Again, obviously, Monday Night Football always is going to be a big game. But um, let, let's let's real quick give our thoughts about the World Series. Rangers uh, beat the Diamondbacks. Uh, I think, you know, going into the series, they were the favorite. I, I don't think it kind of surprises anyone. The result, Corey Seager, MVP, a uh, guy that a lot of Yankee fans will know. Uh, Brian Cashman is uh, is very well known for passing up on Corey Seager and kind of has been the theme among, I guess, Yankee Twitter and Yankee fans uh, throughout the World Series. And now that he is very much like the Bryce Harper in, in the series before, uh, kind of Cashman kind of can't really uh, escape these these missed signings uh, for too long. But uh, just, you know, a lot of a lot of New York blood on both sides of this this uh, World Series, a lot of New York blood here. Uh, on the Rangers specifically, uh, give me some of your quick thoughts. Well, I mean, when we talk about, you know, the, the Mets involvement, I, I feel like really the only Met who contributed was uh, one Travis Jankowski. Uh, I'm incredibly impressive to win uh, 11 games in a row on the road in the playoffs, something that's never been done before. Uh, congratulations to Corey Seager, World Series MVP. Um, the, the one thing about this World Series that I wanted to speak to you about was just – I'm a little bit alarmed that this is the uh, the poorest that they've ever done just from a, a viewership standpoint ever. I understand it's Arizona. I understand it's the Rangers. I, I get it. But I, I just – I don't know. That's not really the direction you want to see baseball headed. Yeah, definitely not. Um, but, again, I, I think you can kind of just chalk that up to, you know, let's if, – if things shake out a little bit differently – and you get, you know, Astros, Phillies, I think you have an absolute monster of a World Series. See, that's and, that's and, what I wanted to ask you. Like, because this is the lowest ever, like, it, it's, I don't know, it seems mind-boggling to me that if you swap the teams, you would do a monster number. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, the Diamondbacks are, I think, the like, these teams, I think it was uh, the lowest combined win total for two teams in the World Series and. I don't even know, but, uh, you know, let's just say like the last 50 years or whatever it was, but it's, it was a super low win total. So even if they, you know, sometimes you'll get your, your dark horse teams that will randomly win a hundred games or so. That wasn't even the case here. Like these teams were 90, 80, you know, upper 80 win teams that, yeah. you know, kind of already didn't have a big fan base, but you know, this is, if, if I'm, I kind of can spin that back at you and kind of say, not maybe not at you, but. It, you know, this is the building block for a fan base. You know, people are going to start watching the Diamondbacks and people are going to start watching the Rangers a little bit more. And there'll be more, you know, Sunday night baseball will have the Diamondbacks and the Rangers a little bit more. And, you know, I think that's the that's the silver lining there more so than I don't want to not necessarily discouraged yeah, yeah. about it. But, you know, the, I think yeah, it's I, I say uh, this without comparing it to past years and, and just like the margin in, in which. So, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I it just it's something they kept beating into my head. Uh Every time I put on sports radio, so I wanted to uh, talk to you about it. Yeah, I, I mean, and honestly, though, like, it, you can uh, – obviously, the stars are, again, on the Astros, on the Phillies, on the the, the Dodgers, the Yankees, blah, blah, blah. And, and on you know, the this, Texas Rangers injured list. 
Yeah, on the Texas Rangers injured list and and former former Mets, but uh, but they, you know, it's I think it kind of speaks to uh, maybe a bigger conversation we'll have when when we get into more of the thick of the MLB offseason. But you know, maybe just spending money is is not the move because uh, you know I I think I said in our group chat that that you know if you look at just let's look at the the forget the Diamondbacks because there's very little money spent on that team. I, I think the most. The most money, uh, highest paid player on the team was Madison Bumgarner, who was DFA'd in, I believe, August or something like that. And so, and then you look at the Rangers, and sure, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, two huge big ticket items on offense. But then on uh, on the pitching side of things, your two big ticket items, and I guess not Scherzer big ticket wise, but you're going to have to pay Scherzer and Degrom a boatload of money next year. Maybe you know, I think for for people that are that kind of say, you know, spend money uh, more wisely versus just spend more money. I kind of think it's a win for those people. Yeah. I mean, good on the Rangers for getting this chip, by the way, because, I mean, you really don't know. We could turn the page and next year we could be looking at, you know, Scherzer and DeGrom making a boatload of money, like you just said, and maybe they look like the New York Mets. Yeah. Uh, it won't matter now that they won a World Series. Uh, I'll eat a little bit of crow. Uh, I think I spoke a lot about DeGrom during the offseason. I hit most of it right on the head. I think a great I, I did a great job of speaking to the fans, understanding how they felt about it. What I will eat crow about is I made fun of Jacob DeGrom so much for talking about the winning vision in Texas uh, being the reason for his decision. I, I, I made fun of him on this podcast. You can probably make an hour compilation of it. So uh, I just want to own up to that one. It's probably the only time I've ever been wrong, not only on this podcast, but maybe in my life. And uh, congratulations to the Texas Rangers. And so, sure, you, you can eat all the crow you want on that one. <laughs> but uh, how do you feel like or how do you think Met fans feel or how do you what is the perception among people? I, I mean, you're you're probably more in tune with maybe not, but maybe you're, you're probably more in tune with Met fans than than I am, I guess. But what do you think the tune is? Uh, in, the the in, Met fans are still all over every page that I have. Yeah. So, uh, well, sure. But what, what do you think they feel about the general consensus of, you know, the the Scherzer and DeGrom kind of joining another team and ultimately finding success? Do you think it's you like know, a sour I, taste? I, no, I don't think so. I, I see a lot of maybe more memes about it than I, than I do people being upset. I think that if Jacob DeGrom was – was Jacob DeGrom and he was like the ace of this staff. And that's kind of the way this all went down. I think maybe you look at it a little bit differently for sure. Uh, but really there was no Mets on this team or anything like that, that were catalysts. So you kind of just see people, you know, happy for DeGrom, happy for Jankowski, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I, I could spin it another way. And for the, for the Yankee side of it, there were more Yankees that had an impact on the former Yankees that had an impact on this series than there were Mets. And, you know, yeah. obviously not to the, to the, to the level of stardom as the Grom and I guess Scherzer were, but uh, you know, the, the Jordan Montgomery's of the world that were became a hot button topic among Yankee fans since his departure. And, and then obviously since given his success on the Rangers uh, as well as uh, everyone's favorite Yankee pitcher, Andrew Heaney uh, among Nathan Avaldi, obviously there there's just been, there's there's ties everywhere. There's a lot of New York blood on this on this Rangers team, and I think it's obviously when when you when you see a team something like that happen, where you you see a lot. Of, I guess I don't want to say rejects because again, Montgomery, Avaldi, uh, Scherzer, Degrom. Those are at one point those guys were good in New York. So I wouldn't yeah. say they're rejects, but kind of uh, on the second leg of their career, we'll say. Um, 
let's, that let's photo think. of all the former Yankees together. Yeah, it's funny. That that's a good one. When Yankee fans, maybe not you, but certainly our friend Ryan and a bunch of the Yankees, when all of you Yankee fans started posting that, that was the second you became the Mets. You yeah. are you're in the same boat now. Everyone already knew it. That did it. I mean, oh, I, I get what you're saying. I'm going to disagree though because. If I you know, put on my story, let's say, the Grom and Scherzer after the World Series and I, whatever, you would have ripped into me. Sure, but if I go to Yankee Stadium on any given day, I will not find a single Jordan Montgomery jersey. If I go to to City Field on any well, day, any day of the week, at any time of the season, I guarantee you someone will have a DeGrom jersey. I because think they that's don't the sell difference. Jordan Montgomery jerseys. Well, I think that's that kind customized. of backs up, that backs up my point. That backs up my point even more. Also, 47, uh, there would be no Montgomery on the back of that jersey, so it would yeah. just be a random 47. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. Um, let, let's stick with the Mets a little bit because some some news came out this week. Uh, per Andy Martino, it seems like the, the managerial uh, vacancy is, is going to be soon filled within, I think he said, within the next week or so. Uh, a couple of names have been floated out. Obviously, Craig Council, uh, we've spoken about that before, but Carlos Mendoza, former Yankee bench coach, as well as kind of a dark horse in this, uh, Kotze, uh, Mark Kotze, excuse me, former athletics coach, uh, also seems to be of interest to the Mets. Uh, what say you? What, where do you think the Mets are at here? I think the council's always been the guy. Like, I think that if, if the Mets had it their way, that's their guy, um, you know, barring a catastrophic interview, <laughs> which I don't foresee. I think that's the guy. I think they're going to do their due, due diligence. They're going to uh, pick the brains of everyone that they can. Uh, repeat, repeat his name. Ka- how would you pronounce it? Kotsky. So, so it's Mark Kotze, K-O-T-S-A-Y. Right. And you gave this to me earlier. What is his career managerial record? Yeah. So, so formerly of the athletics. So obviously record take with a grain of salt, of albeit uh, his managerial record with the athletics, 110 and 214 losses. Right. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. So I, I just, I feel like it's an experience thing. I'm not going to bag on someone for managing the athletics. But I think if the Mets are planning to turn this around in one, max two years, I think you want a guy with experience and a guy that you know a little bit about, a guy that has a relationship with your baseball guy. Uh, so I think I think Council's the guy that they that they want. And I do expect in shorter than a week, I, I expect that to be the guy. I think that's the it's understanding too good of a as well. fit to not happen. Yeah, I think I think it's been again since since all the the front office changes have come about. I think it's kind of been. Uh, it's kind of been written, uh, written there for the Mets. Uh, back to Kotze, just a little bit of his background. He uh, played in the MLB from '97 to 2013. Seven different teams. Never was any, you know, star or anything. But I think if you're a, if you're a kind of a proponent of you know baseball experience, Kotze has that under his belt for sure. As well as I think uh, two to three plus years of, of actual managerial well, oh, sorry. experience. I, I, so. do, I did mean, because when I said if the Mets are planning to turn it around in a couple of years, when I say experience, I mean like big game experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so so Council sounds like it's your guy. And I think, again, I, I think it's, I think he is going to be the guy for the, for the Mets. So uh, we're in yeah. lockstep Also, also interviewed uh, bench coach of the Cubs, Andy Green, another former player. Uh, just yeah. another name. Just due diligence, I think, you know, they, yeah. it's, it's, I think, um, you know, you can think what you want about, about a manager, I, I guess, but I think there's, there's more questions on this Met team given the roster and yeah. one name that was floated out and has been floated out for both New York teams 
especially in the recent recent days. Um, Juan Soto, who if you haven't been following any of the kind of early offseason stories, came out that the Padres actually took out a what was it fifty million dollar loan to to help fund I guess their player payroll. Um, so could be again you take out a loan, obviously you have to pay it back. If you if you rid your roster of a big contract like a Juan Soto or the pot- potential big contract of a Juan Soto, that could be a very um, very appealing uh, perspective there for the for the Padres. So all of our our heads are turning in New York on what are you going to give up for Soto? Would you want Juan Soto? And I'll ask you if you're a Met fan. I mean the immediate the immediate first thing that comes to my mind is the expiring contract of Pete Alonso. Would a Pete Alonso Soto deal be of interest to you? And do you think the Mets should entertain? Well, what, what are the Mets then? Like, what, like, are the Mets truly taking a step back in spending? Because you'd love to have them both. I know we just talked about, well, maybe spending money isn't the way to go and things like that. But you look at both those players and you say, why do I have to get rid of Alonso to have one Soto? I, I think, I think the Mets would like to bring in both. We talked a lot more about Soto being a fit with the Yankees. Uh, I think he he just fits the roster better. I think he fits the stadium better. Uh, I would really love to see Juan Soto on the Yankees. Uh, we said maybe leading off being protected by Judge or two and three, whatever it is. Um, I, I think anyone would want a Juan Soto. But I've never yeah. heard of a and – and it, I, it might be something that happens all the time. I've never heard of a team admitting or, or publicly stating that they took out a loan to pay their payroll off. I, I thought that was really weird too. It almost sounds like it's illegal. Well, but but you got to think like what the yeah it does sound like a little little fishy honestly, but you got to think too like there were so many not questions per se, but a lot of people were like, how the heck are the Padres doing this? Yeah, it, yeah. it seems like, like what's what's stopping you know uh, Steve Cohen? What's stopping Steve Cohen from getting one of his billionaire investors to just say, hey, give me give me another billion to run this team and, and let's just bring in everyone? You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, not nothing. Yeah. So you're right. It does it does seem a little fishy. Um, as for Soto on the Yankees, the only thing is, I think if you're you're obviously gonna have to trade for Juan Soto if you want him in the offseason. Um, and I think that the problem with the Yankees is they have a lot of guys that that definitely could be dangled out there. Um, but I think I think the guys that they the guys that they people will want from the Yankees are also obviously the guys that the Yankees will want for themselves, like Jason Dominguez. And if you're gonna bring in a Juan Soto to to play the outfield here. Uh, you know, Dominguez is, is probably going to be at the forefront of a lot of trade conversations if any trade conversation comes about. And I don't know if I'm going to be willing to do that. Yeah, that's the thing. I, like when you bring up Pete Alonso, I just don't know uh, where the Padres are at. If this is money that has to be shed, I really don't see him go. I don't see it being this major blockbuster uh, superstar for superstar sort of player. I guess the question would be, because we always used to say the Padres just never give up. They now with this, you know, news about Juan Soto open to trading him. I feel like there's a chance that maybe the Padres just said it's this year and it's next year. You know, this isn't a team that can that can, you know, sustain that sort of spending, obviously, over a long period of time. So maybe you, you bring in Juan Soto and you just you give away pieces like like, let's say the Mets, for instance, pieces that you just gained or, you know, this past trade deadline for guys like uh, Verlander and Scherzer and such. I feel like that might be all it takes if you're willing to pay Juan Soto. Yeah, and maybe you're right, but the only thing is, I mean, could you could you see them saying, "All right, Juan Soto just naturally, talent wise, is probably going to command a little bit more money than Pete Alonso, and if we want to compete for 
you know, X amount of years, you know, again, you, you mentioned just competing for next year for the, for the Padres, but if, if that's not their, their motive and maybe they do want to sustain uh, you know, they have their core of Machado and Bogarts and uh, they, they, you know, just have a ton of talent there. Maybe they, they see it and say, all right, we can, we can go swap star for star and still have a star for less money that will also provide not obviously not as I think, I think Juan Soto might be a, a level above Pete Alonso in terms of yeah. talent. But Pete Alonso, like we always say, you can pencil him in for 40 home runs every year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think hypothetically, let's say you told me that that's the only deal on the table, take it or leave it. Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, but then then you're in a pinch because we talked about trading Alonso and just you're, you'd be left with no power. So you'd be in a pinch and you'd have to find some off the street somehow. Yeah, it, it'd be a tough spot to be in. Um, I, again, I, I think I, I agree with you when you say I'd love to see him in the Yankee in a Yankee uniform realistically, I think prospect wise, uh, anyone but Dominguez, if you can get that done, cool with me. Cause yeah. you know, you, you get, you get Dominguez in an ideal world. Uh, again, Dominguez is going to be out for a, the, the, at least the first, probably half of the season, the way the Yankees handle their prospects and the way the Yankees handle injuries. Uh, if you can get your outfield looking like Dominguez in center, judge and right Soto and left for the second half of the season, Man, with with Giancarlo as a full DH, no questions asked. Yeah, that's a that's a very nice perspective outfield right there. Yeah, you ever think so, about how you used to watch Giancarlo stand for another like thirty years or whatever it is? I think I think we're down to three. I got to check my <laughs> clock, but I think we're down right. to three. But look, I've I've said time and time again about Giancarlo on a perfect roster where you have three to yeah, four solid outfielders, and he doesn't need to sniff the outfield. I think he's he can be fine as my DH for. Oh yeah, get me to the playoffs and swing the bat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, bat him. Realistically, if you can have Giancarlo as your like six hitter, set you know five hitter, cool, cool with me. You know, with with guys like Judge Dominguez, uh, so on and so forth above him. You know, I think it's a I think it's an interesting, definitely an appealing thing. Um, any other Met thoughts? Any other Yankee thoughts before we head over to the football side of things? Uh, no, not yet. But like I said, I'm, I'm expecting to hear about the manager. Like you said this week, I'm expecting in a couple of days, just kind of feels like with this Mets regime, things come down the pipeline really quickly. Um, and realistically, if, if you could tell me anyone's going to be the manager of the Mets, uh, it's not going to make or break me. I think the moment David Stearns uh, walked in was, you know, that's when I said, okay, like we're, we're, we're set now with, you know, baseball operations, things like that. You know, I, the button pusher, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and again, the Mets, it was I think it's very weird or was very weird that the Mets kind of came out at the trade deadline or, and said, we're going to compete for 2025, not 2024, which I think yeah. they, they might they might eat those words realistically. And maybe that's Steve well, Cohen's inexperience as as a as an owner, maybe uh, to kind of lay out his plan. So well, what do you, what do you one mean? One, but like, how would that? How does that backfire? Well, because you never know what's going to come about. So, like, to say, like, like think about, like, if, if I'm confused, Padres, are you saying if they do compete this year, then, like, the Mets are going to have the egg on their face? No, but I think, I think you know, to a fan base, as far as expectations are concerned, you, you know, if, if you see, like, guys like Otani and, and Juan Soto go, it, it, you're immediately, to me, if I was a Met fan, I'd immediately say, well, why the heck did you punt the season if you have, if you have these two unbelievable talents readily available just for money. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that, I guess more of an expectation. Yeah, that, kind of this thing. is why, and I'm still, even when we, when the Mets first made that statement, 
I said I was confused. Your baseball ops guy isn't even here yet. Why are you yeah. betting next season? It just and now we're hearing rumors that they're going to be in on Juan Soto. Can, like, can you make up your mind? I don't understand that, the direction of the Mets. That's my point. That's that's my point exactly. Nothing, nothing yeah. deeper than that, honestly. So I just think it's again we we said it at the time, and I'm just kind of doubling down on it. Just a very very weird way to handle it. Just a silly goose organization. <laughs> and and always will be. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's go over to football because uh, Jets are on Monday night. We'll, we'll talk about them second, but we have a absolutely riveting game of the week. New York Giants, Las Vegas Raiders. Give me your thoughts. Oh, man, do I have to watch this? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I, I mean, I don't know. I figured I would ask my co-host if I had to be in on the Giants game. Yeah, well, Daniel Jones is a, is a, is a full go this week. Um, and again, this is the Giants are embarrassingly not a favorite in this game. And all the things that have gone on with the Raiders, uh, they have benched Jimmy Garoppolo. They have seen they cut ties with their head coach. Former Giant Antonio Pierce takes over as the head coach over there. Uh, to And I quote, uh, Devontae Adams said this morning that he would run through a wall for the guy. So <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe uh, look, maybe maybe that gets Devontae Adams going. That would be a good, uh, good thing for your, your fantasy football team, for sure. Yeah. Um, but what what do you think? Vegas has this at uh, the Raiders are minus one and a half at home. I, I kind of like the Giants with Daniel Jones and Barkley. And I, I didn't think, you know, again, they, they they played terrible against the Jets. But I think if you're a Giant fan, you know, Tommy DeVito pouring rain against an elite defense. I, I kind of like the Giants here. Well, if, if you're a Giants fan, do you want to win? So this is interesting conversation starter. And, and I think the answer is yes, because like, let's be honest, you're, if you're, you can't, if Daniel Jones is at your, at the helm here and Saquon Barkley is healthy and you, you know, everything seems to be how you kind of planned it. Right. So, you know, Bar again, Barkley, uh, Daniel Jones out last week, Daniel Jones out previously. It's been a, it's been a very injury riddled year for Daniel Jones. You can make the argument that, He's probably only played maybe one or two games fully healthy this entire season. You could make that argument. And I think that, you know, if you, if, if you're, if you're a giant fan, this could be a spot where, you, you know, you, you kind of forget your record and all you do is just try and win games. Cause I don't think you want to, you want to be in a position to tank when you've uh, with, you have Daniel Jones healthy, you have Saquon yeah. Barkley healthy. And uh, to me, uh, unless you're very openly, uh, embracing the tank from the beginning. I don't, I don't believe in, in, or like, you know, unless you have a huge, if Daniel Jones is out for the year, lose this game all you want. If Barkley is out for the year, lose this game all you want. I don't think you can do that when they're healthy. I, I think I'm with you. Cause I think it all works itself out. I think if you go out there with Daniel Jones and you win the game, maybe you like Daniel Jones, maybe, you know, the only reason you'd want to be sitting here rooting for losses halfway through the season is you have your eyes on a quarterback. Yeah. And, and well, you're, you're two and six. You're still going to be in a prime drafting position regardless. Yeah. And we we've said, too, though, like and kind of I was thinking about this this week. And this could be like a little bit of my like, you know, Madden franchise mode mind going. But if you're the Giants and you end up with like the let's say the, the fifth to seventh pick in the draft, let's say, and a, a team has the third pick. I think you can dangle a, a Daniel Jones and your first round pick to move up to get that quarterback. If you really, really are in love with one of the, with like Drake may from UNC. Well, it would have to be a, a team that doesn't need a quarterback. Well, but not even necessarily like, let's just say like, 
Yeah, but if you're know. drafting a quarterback, I guess we're imagining that Daniel Jones is 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 because if he lights it up the second half here, I don't think you're thinking about that, regardless of your record. True, but what did we say last uh, earlier this? I guess earlier this week that that contract becomes very very tradable, very very tradable. And like, let's just say you know, l- looking at looking at some of the records here, you can maybe it's not a Daniel Jones plus a pick, but. If, even if you want to live out Daniel Jones' contract and still move up in the draft, you know, if the Cardinals believe in Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray comes back this year and they have the second or third pick in the draft, you can move up and get their pick and take a quarterback for sure. Yeah. You know, just, just looking at it, the Bears, they're two and six. The Patriots might draft a quarterback. Uh, the Panthers have Bryce Young. They're probably not going to want a quarterback. There's like, there's only a couple teams that, I think really are set in stone that will would really, really want a quarterback. So I think the Giants can find themselves in a good place to trade up to that quarterback range if they so please. Or uh, on the flip side, because you just mentioned the only couple of teams that are that might finish worse than the Giants, the fact that they're not quarterback needy, if you like Daniel Jones, you might find yourself in a position where you can get a haul to move back. Yeah, or or you can keep your pick and get get another pick for Daniel Jones. Yeah, so this just this just convinced is. me. If you're a Giants fan, don't don't go enjoy your, the football season. All right, don't go into the yeah. game rooting for a loss. It's all going to work itself out. However, you finish is just gonna, that's going to dictate the direction you go. Yeah, I I agree. I think you know if you, if you from uh if you just kind of look at this without really digging deep into the standings and digging deep into I guess the the future of the NFL draft or the prospective NFL draft order, I think it's easy to say yeah you know what tank get the best pick, but realistically. You might, you could probably, you know, play whatever team you have the rest of the year and still find yourself within the top 10. Yeah. You know, you're, you're uh, two and six. Yeah. Uh, before so, we get into this game, X's and O's, who we think is going to win, how the Giants win this game, and all that, we did mention the change at quarterback. Can we talk about a, a fellow uh, Silly Goose organization, the Raiders here? Very silly. I, I mean, could, I mean, could you imagine if this was the Jets with Jimmy Garoppolo? No, no, it would be. He's I, I've, I've about, yeah, I've thought that about him. I've thought that about uh, watching Derek Carr in. No, but in, not like, like he's not even. Oh, you mean like since they've been playing? I mean, just in terms of yeah, since they've been on their, I guess, new yeah. teams. Neither of them have impressed, and no, honestly, no. the the three who are the three options at the end of last season for the Jets: Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. None of them would have worked out. None of them worked out. Which is crazy. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I think, it, yeah, the, the Raiders are definitely embarrassing. But, hey, you get your star player in Devontae Adams that says, you know, I'd run through, I'd run through a wall for this guy who hasn't coached a single game for, for my team. If you're the Raiders, you, you kind of have to just move on. As, yeah. You know, as financially difficult as that may be for them, which is another totally another story, you know, given the, all the money they've owed to their coaches, all the money they owe to Jimmy Garoppolo, they're in a shit spot. But you, you can't just harp on that. No, I know. He, but he, so, you know, I guess to wrap up Jimmy Garoppolo, he is on a $73 million deal over the course of three years. They do have a potential out after next season, uh, but that'll be after they paid him a ton of money. Already. Yeah, that they, they might be uh, – he might be the, the highest paid backup in NFL history next year. It, it's just to me, it, he can't even fulfill – like he can't even fit the shoes of like – what do we always say about him? Well, he goes in there, he's smart, he's a game manager, and, you know, he's not going to get in your way. He's getting in their way. Yeah, he's getting in Devontae Adams' way big time. Yeah. 
both like literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I bet that Devonte had a lot to do with the switch here uh, because, you know, the Raiders aren't playing for much uh, at this point. Uh, and like I just said, you owe the guy so much money, you might as well stick with it. But I mean, you have a star receiver who's obviously disgruntled. hasn't caught a touchdown in five weeks. Um, it seems like he wants out, but you didn't grant him that. So I have to, I have to imagine that this was at least run by Devonte Adams, if not sparked by Devonte Adams. Yeah. It, it had to have been, uh, in the conversations at some point, or if, you know, we, we, you, if you watched uh, the Monday night football game with uh, chargers Raiders, he was just visibly at the end of the game, just visibly, just like beside himself. You kind of saw the writing on the wall there for the Raiders. Um, but again, you, he's, I, I will always say that he's probably the most talented receiver in the entire NFL with a, with an average NFL quarterback. He's unbelievable. With Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been subpar. And I think that speaks more to Jimmy Garoppolo than it does Devontae Adams. Um, I know they owe Rodgers a lot of money next year, but how do you get Devontae Adams here? Any way you get Devontae Adams. <laughs> Could you imagine having that connection back, even if for one season? The writing's on the wall. What that would do for this Jet offense, because we're watching every week, they have one receiver. Yeah, and honestly, I think the Jets have themselves in a good spot where, you know, even if you have to overpay in terms of, you know, capital, draft capital or, uh, you know, even if, if you have to give up like a player or two, maybe the Jets have endless D linemen that you give up one couple picks for, for Devontae Adams. Cool. that I'm cool with that for, yeah. for Aaron Rodgers next year or, you know, whoever the quarterback might end up being in the future because Devontae Adams has much more than one year left, I think. I think he's going to be here, going to be in the league and be unbelievable for at least the next, you know, three, four years. So yeah. uh, could be, it could be a, a piece going forward. Let's go. Let's get into the X's and O's of this game. Uh, the, the Raiders are giving one and a half per Vegas. Uh, one big note here for the Giants that I think is is definitely definitely going to might be. I want to say a, a crucial part of this game, but I think anytime you you're starting kicker and you kind of bring in someone off the scrap heap to come be your kicker, it definitely is going to play into uh, the the Giants game plan here. You know, Graham Gano out, Darren Waller also out for this game, uh, Tyra Taylor also out, so. Um, you know, some injuries here on the giant front, nothing they haven't dealt with all year, but you get Daniel Jones back, you get Barkley back against the Raiders team that is feeble and starting a, uh, a, a backup quarterback who, you know, ha- hasn't done anything to impress. He's kind of, I don't want to say a no name, but essentially a no name. I think the Giants should win this game. It's a tough game to pick. Um, just, just because obviously of the unknown quarterback, I hear he's a gunslinger. I obviously watched some college highlights just because, um, you know, I am looking for him to have a, a breakout week just for fantasy reasons. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the Giants' last few games, the way the Giants are going to win this game is Saquon Barkley and defense because over the last four weeks, it seems like they're playing a completely different brand of defense under Wink Martindale, and they've been really impressive. Um, I expect this to just be the Saquon Barkley show on offense while you're easing Daniel Jones back in. I expect a lot of carries. Uh, I, I would expect even – you know, upwards of six or seven catches. Uh, I, I'm expecting low scoring. I, I'm not sure which way to go. It's just such an unknown quarterback. Uh, I will ride with the Giants. But yeah. I mean, if you're the Giants, listen, you say we should have won last week and our defense is playing great. But at the same time, you played against Zach Wilson. You played against an on and off Sam Howell. You know, you played against Josh Allen, who's pretty po- prone to laying an egg every now and then. So let's see how good this defense actually is. Go out there and, and shut down. You know, first year quarterback. Yeah, and, and, and one, one thing, team. one thing to note too here for the Giants, 
They did trade away Leonard Williams, who was a big piece of that defensive line. Uh, so no Leonard Williams. Maybe you'll see some some guys mix in on the defensive line there. Um, uh, you know, they Wink Martindale, we, we always say, is very well known for his pressure. Um, and I think that against a, against a guy like Aiden O'Connell and against the uh, an interim head coach, I think that kind of bodes well for the Giants on the defensive side of the ball, too. I think the Giants' problem is not in their, you know, front seven. More so, I think the Giants' secondary is abysmal, right? You, you know, you watch the end of the, the Jet game, pass interference, holding. Even the game essentially ended on a defensive pass interference against the Jets, where inside the 10, uh, I think it was a Dory Jackson, as an absolutely blatant, in, you know, couldn't have been more front and center pass interference to put them at the 10. It was just... It, I just – and I don't even think it's like a coaching thing. I just don't really think that the talent no, – it, it was a problem last year too. They just don't have any talent in the secondary. Yeah, and, and I so you know, that could be another another avenue in the draft. I know uh, everyone's everyone's favorite name, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry out of Alabama, is uh, is very, very highly rated as uh, probably the best defensive back in this draft. Uh, so maybe the Giants end up with some, some Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, well, Kool-Aid over there and Sauce over here, defensive backs. That that sounds like a marketing dream, yeah, to me. Um, so so what's your official pick here? I'm on the Giants to win outright. What is the line? One and a half. Vegas giving. Vegas giving one and a half, and this is in Vegas. Correct. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll ride with the Giants. Yeah, I. You know, I just think they're better. I guess. I guess we'll see though. We'll see. I mean, it, the last time Aiden O'Connell played, Devonte Adams caught a touchdown, and and they played pretty well. So I got I got Devonte uh, glowing all week. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're having a week of practice where they think they're gonna just light up the giant secondary. I got a uh, I got a call for you now. A couple weeks ago, I I kind of went out on a limb and and said that uh that you know Darren Waller first touchdown. I'm gonna kind of stick with a very similar formula, and not now that Darren Waller is is not in a guy that I was impressed by last year. That uh I, again hasn't seen the field because obviously Darren Waller is the guy. Daniel Bellinger, first touchdown. Book right. it. That's just my, I'm just going to use my traditional thinking. Tight end, bad, you know, very rough game, I, I, I I'll say. Give me a Bellinger touchdown. I like him. I thought he was played very well last year and kind of has been overshadowed by Waller and hasn't really – he only has four receptions the entire year. If I can get a four-reception guy in week – what is it, week nine to, to score a touchdown, uh, that's impressive to me. So that's going to be my call for the week. I like the um, call, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't score a touchdown. Yeah, that that's always that's always on the table as well. Um, <laughs> oh, just in the Meadowlands, that's always on the table. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was funny because you know if you if you kind of pause the game, uh, for lack of a better term, when Tommy DeVito came in, you know New New Jersey Italian kid playing Jets Giants in MetLife as a backup, like the story was there for him to score, and he did. Yeah, well, so, that that kind of played into it more. Yeah, and so I, I was gonna be like, "Oh no, this is a this is a New York kid." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was nauseating. Don't even get me started. But um, let's let's skip to Monday night. So we we got the we got the Giants done. Let's get to the Jets. Uh, the Jets find themselves four and three, hosting the three and four Los Angeles Chargers, coming off probably their most impressive win of the season, uh, thirty to thirteen over the the lowly Bears. Um. This is a tough one that I've toyed with. Uh, the, the Jets are are not favored at home. Uh, they the Vegas line has the Chargers giving three and a half. Uh, 
and I'm not going to lie. I think it's going to be, I think it's a deceptively tough spot here for the J- the Jets because I really don't think the Chargers are as bad as their record says they are. No, me neither. And, 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 you know, we, I didn't get the chance to kind of talk up the Bengals when I, when I gave the, the Bengals pick uh, for the straight up money line against the 49ers, but I'm using the same, the same thinking with, with the Chargers. I think that this is going to be the, the, the opportunity in terms of a gambling and betting that you'll probably get the Chargers at the cheapest, the cheapest price possible. And I can see this, this, the Chargers team being a team that rattles off three, four wins in a row and kind of puts themselves in a playoff picture sooner rather than later. No, I could too. Um, I, I'm a little bit scared of this game. I don't think the Jets were ever going to be favorited in this game. Uh, however, I do think that onslaught of the Chicago Bears has something to do with the, uh, you said three and a half? Three and a half, yep. With the three and a half point line on the road for the Chargers. Uh, offensively, they have talent, obviously. Uh, you know, guys like Austin Eckler kind of breaking out last week hasn't really gotten, you know, super hot yet like he has. This is just a, a team that's better on offense than you are. And it's another week where you're probably going to have to ask your defense to stand on their heads and try to win you a game. But this time it's not in the pouring rain against a third string quarterback. So it's going to be tough. Um, I don't feel very confident this week in the Jets. This is kind of they fared well with, uh, you know, with booming offenses so far they have. Uh, but it just feels like one of those games where you're kind of due for a loss and it's on prime time and you're coming off, of you know, one of the ugliest games ever. Uh, and the Chargers just, you know, I talk about urgency. I, I think that, you know, they're just in a, in a more urgent spot than the Jets are with the start they got off to. So I don't feel really good about this game. I, I don't feel good about this game whatsoever. Uh, they, I, you know, again, back to the Chargers here. They got off to a really, really rough start, but their last five games, three and two, uh, again, they, then there's two losses. There's a three-point loss to the, to the Cowboys, which Cowboys, yeah. I think we can kind of pencil yeah, in as a, a win. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good game. That's a, they hung with the Cowboys, who, you know, the the Jets did not. No. So, uh, and then didn't even consider it. They lose thirty-one seventeen on the road to the Chiefs. I think you know, if I, as much as I can remember that game, that was more of a close game than thirty-one seventeen. I think was my exact words uh, following that game. Yeah, and so, Chiefs Wizzle was there, so you were you weren't going to win. Yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I I think Chargers are. Again, the only thing I'll say, and I, I guess I'll, this will be where I'll start to make my point for the Jets or my case for the Jets. The Jets consistently give good quarterbacks fits and have consistently given good quarterbacks fits all year. And you can, you know, I think I think this is going to be a, a situation where the, the Jets are, you know, Herbert is not is obviously not the best quarterback they face, but he's up there. You know, he's in the conversation with yeah. maybe uh, maybe, a, a, you know, a a tier below the Mahomes and the, you know, the elite quarterbacks of the world, maybe even two tiers, depending on how you see it. But, you know, if you're, if you're really looking for the jets to win again, and we say this every week, it's got to start on the defensive side of the ball. They need turnovers. They're at home. You got to kind of have to win this game, especially in terms of, you know, looking forward towards, you know, a wild card and playoff seating. This could be a game that you lose that deceptively yeah. is a lot more hurtful than you think. When the Jets faced the Chiefs, when the Jets faced the Eagles, we talked a lot about tests. You know, you don't have to win this game, but let, let's see how you fare. Uh, th- this is an important test, too, be in a different air, uh, because th- this is one of the teams that you are competing with for a spot. How do you stack up against them? So I, I think on defense, you're right. It's always going to start on defense. And I always think the Jets are going to play well defensively. But I do feel like just from a matchup standpoint, 
you look at some of the things that have broken the back of the Jets defense this season, it's, it's some things that the Chargers do well. You know, Herbert scrambles a little bit. He's an athlete. Uh, the Jets have gotten killed on checkdowns. They have the the king of the checkdown in, in Austin Eckler. I mean, how many times do we see the Jets? They can't get off the field on a, on a third and 15. You know, that, like I'm talking about down the wire of a game. Uh, so I think if the Jets are going to lose this game, it's going to be it's going to be that way. I, I expect them to hang. Uh, I don't think the Chargers are going to score points at will. But, you know, down down the stretch here, you better score some points because you're not going to shut Justin Herbert out. And I think those couple of things that I just mentioned, they're going to find ways to move the sticks. It's not going to feel like the giant game. It's not going to feel like, I mean, uh, really any of those games that you're able to edge out a team by a couple of points. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, looking at, looking at the jets and kind of their, the, I guess, getting back to the giants jet game, I I've been a, kind of of the thought to, you know, you can say what you want about Zach Wilson and say what you want about their performance last week, you know, pouring rain, Against the against the Jets, I, I still part of me still thinks that that just offensively that might be a little bit of a throwaway game there. I think it's, I think there's a lot of things that went into that game that kind of just made it just like a weird one. Uh, you know, the the missed field goal at the end, having to scramble to try and get down the field. Uh, you know, the the touchdown Zach Wilson throws is really just a check down that goes that Brees Hall takes for 50 yards. Um, I don't know. It's I don't think. It, the Jets can hang with them if their defense allows them to, which is like a weird place to be in and is the place that the Jets find themselves in. But, you know, you get one or two slip-ups on this defense, and like you said, you see an Eckler check down two missed tackles and he takes it to the crib once or twice. That might be the nail in the coffin right there because if your defense slips up once or twice against this team, you're I don't know if your offense is going to be able to hang. Well, let me pose this to you because this is something I've been thinking about this week. Do you remember when did we uh, speak last? Was it Monday? Uh, Monday or Tuesday, uh, whenever Tuesday, it was. Maybe. And we talked about Zach Wilson, and we said, you know, and I asked you the question: How come things only seem to go well when the, when he has nothing to lose? When back against the wall, whether it's a two minute show or whether it's you know I have to complete a pass for thirty yards right now, why is he able to heave ball and complete them at the end of games? We never get to see that. Because, you know, whether at the end of a half, maybe at the end of a game, maybe, but we don't get to see that because the Jets defense stands on their heads. So if what happens, if what you just said happens, maybe, you know, the Jets make a couple of mistakes early. I'd like to see if the Jets can score some points if they actually take the training wheels off. Yeah. Well, that's been the tune we've sung all year. Like we, we feel like they're almost protecting Zach Wilson's, I guess, morale over over the, the team's success, which is a weird place to be in. Well, no, and, I don't you know, even know about that. I just think if they, I think that they think if they let him loose, it's the end of the world. Like it's going to look like the turnover prone Zach Wilson of last year. True, but you you know, let it be, and not you know, if you're going to against a team like this, you kind of have to roll the dice. I don't, I don't think that you know you you've lost to. If you if you roll the dice a little bit more against the Chiefs, maybe you win that game. Yeah, it is hard to ask the Jets to take shots though. When I mean, Darrell Wilson's getting all the attention, and you really you don't have another prime pass catcher to go down the field. So all yeah. these Jet fans who are always screaming, "Just take a shot, take a shot," there's no one to go to. Yeah, there, there's there's no there's really no one outside of Garrett Wilson. It is it's a lowly group. It really is, and I think that. Getting back to, I don't want to hang on the rim for this because you know it's it's obviously not not good jet, Jets talk, but everyone was very high in this offense going into the season, and obviously Aaron Rodgers would have changed a lot. But my whole thing, the whole, whole offseason was 
Garrett Wilson's great. Brees Hall's great. And obviously Aaron Rodgers will have his guys. But you know, outside of that, if 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 these guys aren't going to step up, they're, it's going to be tough for this team to, to do anything. You know, yeah. you can have Aaron Rodgers and get Garrett Wilson doubled. I, I don't know if Aaron Lazard and, and Randall Cobbs could win you games. No, I think we kind of nailed this. Even in the preseason, I remember we had, we had Bobby on and, you know, we were asking Bobby, like, well, what worries you the most about this team going in? And he said, not even the offensive line, it's, it's the receivers. It feels like they don't have a lot of help there. And then, you know, I kind of made the point of like, well, doesn't this look like an Aaron Rodgers receiving core, right? Like you have a number one, like a legitimate number one. Uh, you have, you know, your Alan Lazard who do the extra things. You have a safety blanket, Randall Cobb. You know, I thought Nicole Hardman could have been like a Valdez Scantling type. I, I think that Rodgers could make it work with these guys. I do. So I think coming in, I don't think it was this, you know, depleted unit of guys. I just think with Zach Wilson, you need more. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it was interesting that they – you kind of said this before, but it was interesting that they kind of stood pat at the deadline and didn't bring in, you know, a body that could that could be a threat, someone, you know, yeah. of some sort. So, you know, maybe they thought Miko Hartman was that. Uh, obviously not here anymore. Back to the Chiefs he went. Um, but, yeah, a tough spot. Uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to be at this game, and I think this – you can call me a bad guy for this, but the way I like to approach stuff like this is when I go to a game – and I'm like nervous about my that's my team winning. I will always bet on the other team to kind of cut my losses. Where if the if I go to the game and the yeah. Jets win, unbelievably happy, right? There would be five and three, just beat a good Chargers team that I you know I thought would would start rolling. And if they lose, I got some coin in my pocket. Yeah, I do that all the time, but only if I like in my heart of hearts. If I'm if I truly just am very worried or just I really don't think they're gonna win. I will bet against my teams and then leave happy if they win. Yeah. My, my bet, uh, just for full transparency, my bet this weekend when I, or my, I'm uh, not with this weekend, but Monday will be Chargers money line, Austin Eckler to score anytime. That will be my bet. That'll be the only bet I place in the entire game. Yeah. So uh, if that tells my hand, I think the Chargers do win this game. Uh, covering the, the hook is interesting because I think that, you know, if the Chargers win this game, it could be a very, you know, Defense, like we said, one one or two defensive mistakes here. They could they win by a field goal. Could they win by you know uh, just kind of the Jets can't score, can't score more than them, and it's like a I don't know seventeen fourteen game, and the Jets lose something like that. I could definitely see that. So the hook is interesting, but I think from a from a non non Jet fan perspective, I think I'd lay the hook here with the three and a half. I might too. Um, it depends. It depends on how this game goes. If they're going to lose this game down the wire and their defense is going to keep them in it, which we have no reason any week against any opponent to think they won't do that, um, then, then yeah, I, I, I'd probably like the Jets with that, that half point there also. But, I mean, it just it's not sustainable. It can't be every week like that. So, yeah, and, and Monday Night Football, too, obviously adds another wrinkle, too, just just a bigger, more oh, yeah. apparent stage. And, and um, just coming off of just like a – a really like resurgent sort of day for the Chargers offensively. You know, like you said, the best one they've had this year. It's, you know, it's a little bit frightening having them come in here. Yeah, that definitely is. Uh, you, you know, know what? If, hope- if you lose this game, you, you can't feel horrible about it. Listen, it's a big game because this is a team you are in direct competition with. But this is, you know, this is the reason you feel good about beating a team like the Eagles a few weeks ago. You can lose this game and, and you know, the, the season isn't over. The sky isn't falling. You'll be 500. Yeah, and I I think that's if you're 500 again. We we said when Rodgers got hurt, I think if any point you could find yourself at 500 in in 
going into uh, you know week nine or uh, whatever week you want to say, or going into week 10, it would be, I think you'd sign up for that as soon as Rogers go down. So uh, that's kind of the, uh, that's where you'll, I guess you'll, you'll rest your, your thoughts there. Um, any other thoughts and, on either of the locals before we go around the league and give our picks? No, just on the Rogers thing, uh, you know, take this how you want, take this with a grain of salt, if you, if you will. Um, Cause this isn't a medical opinion or anything like that, but this is Joe Douglas uh, yesterday. Uh, he said that they do expect Aaron Rodgers back. Now, what he knows, I don't know. Uh, you know, how close he actually is, I don't know. But there's optimism. Definitely is optimism. Uh, I think it's kind of been the consistent uh, thought through since Rodgers kind of went down and kind of started rehabbing. So uh, only time will tell. Let's get into let's get into some picks. Uh, full transparency, I, I came out and I texted McPhilly yesterday that – uh, my pit. I was on the Steelers last night, minus three. Never in doubt. That w- that was my one point play last night. Um, Mike Tomlin at home after a loss. Come on, how do I not pick that, right? No, I, I was gonna say I, I like the pick too. My brother yesterday had texted me. There was probably a boost on Thursday night or something, and he just texted me if the game was tough. You know, what do you, how would you lean? And I just texted him. You know, the way that Sam would. And I just said, when in doubt, trust Mike Tomlin. And and trust Mike Tomlin. We did. Ugly game, albeit uh, a win for the Steelers. Another team that, I mean, I guess both these teams technically are kind of uh, in in direct competition with the Jets per se. The Steelers will, will definitely be a, a team that will will have to, you know, the Jets will have to at best, you know, for for a, a wild card spot going forward. Uh, the, the Titans would have gotten their fourth win had they won. Steelers five and three, Titans three and five. Real quick on this game. Uh, I thought Will Levis looked fine, you know, down the, down the stretch there. I thought that he there were some signs of, you know, just being a rookie quarterback. But I think that he puts the Titans in a better position than Ryan Tannehill does. Yeah, I think so, too. He can just do more at this point. Yeah. And then as for, as for the Steelers, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the Jets to win the game against the Steelers. But if the Steelers go to MetLife and play the Jets – I think the Jets defense has a field day with Kenny Pickett. I like the I like the Jets against the Steelers. Yeah, well, I, you know that's it's a it's a little conundrum for me if they you know if they played. Do the Jets play the Steelers this year? I'm not even sure. I don't. Well, they don't play the no. AFC more, so it would have to be a weird uh, standalone game. Yeah, no. They, I, they, I don't they, know. I just think not. like I look at the Steelers and I go like that offense and Kenny Pickett like the, the Jets would be like in their chops like that's their type of opponent. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And and even you know they they win. Last night, and you know, albeit I think a lot of that game was on uh, the back of uh, Jalen Warren and uh, Mike Tomlin for sure, and, and the defense. But you know, they're the don't want to kind of sugarcoat it, but the, the Steelers were they got Cameron Hayward back, TJ Watt against a rookie quarterback, no Minka in, in the backfield, uh, the defensive backfield there for the uh, for the Steelers as well. Uh, that's a that's a tough win there for the Steelers against a team that a lot of people were high on after a big win in the Titans. That's a, that's like a quintessential Steelers win. Yep, and, and exactly. I was just going to literally my words exactly. Um, now, how do you want to do this? Do you want to give your your two picks here? Or do you want to go one one one? Do you want to go through the league and just say your picks as they come? What do you think? We do one 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 one. All right. Well, mine's out on the table, so you give me yours. All right. So you had the steel. What was the line in that game again? Just by the way, was three. Sorry, what? Three, sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at the slate. I feel like, you know, I've, I've had a couple of clunkers back-to-back. I haven't loved a week in maybe two or three. Um, I'm, I'm almost looking at looking at the list, trying to see if I want to make any changes and trying to see where I think you're going to go. Uh, but what I'm going to do is 
I don't love the number, but I love the team. I love the way they're trending. Uh, and I love the fact that they're home because if this game was happening in Seattle, I wouldn't be betting it. Raiders giving six at home. Ravens, 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 Ravens. You said Raiders, Ravens. Did I say Raiders? Yeah, Ravens. Red free. My one point play. All right. Well, that, that leaves it to me. And I'm going to go with, um, you know, a, a team that has paid me well. Uh, and has has voted very well for me and probably one of the three games this week that are of of any note here. Give me the Bengals. Minus two at home against the Bills. Again, I've said that I thought the the market has not been corrected on Bengals. Uh, The Bills always give these clunkers. They've played each other before. I think the Bengals are rolling. They had a very impressive week last week against um, against the 49ers. So for my week... Already hit the Steelers on my one point. I'm going to lay the two points here and take the Bengals at home Sunday night football against the Bills. I like that pick. Okay, so now what's your two or or three? That's a a good Sunday night, and at least for us, at least for New Yorkers and Jets fans, that's a nice little back-to-back. That's a great Sunday night game. I mean, that's that's a really good Sunday night game. Yeah, yeah. So your your two-point or three-point underdog pick? Yeah, uh, it's just going to be a two-point play. Um, I'm taking the Houston Texans at home against the Tampa like Bay that. Buccaneers. You might look at this game, call it a coin flip. I don't like the brand of football that, that Tampa Bay has been playing. I think they kind of start off hot. It's, it's what Baker Mayfield does. You kind of you fall in love for a couple minutes, uh, and then it kind of just, you know, you, you get crushed. I think that's what's happening here. I think I, I think C.J. Stroud, now that he's my quarterback in fantasy, um, you know, I, I think – uh, a guy who's up for rookie of the year. I, I like. I just like. The, I like. I, I like everything about the Texans. I I don't like. I don't hate that pick whatsoever. Uh, you know. I I think. I do think the Texans win that game. They're just and, a younger, uh, quicker. Just, I just like that that group of guys better than I do Tampa. Yeah, I, I agree. I, that was a, that was something that I definitely floated uh, myself as a, as a potential pick as well. I like that there as well. You get a home team as, as you know, giving three and. If you think the Texans are better than the the Buccaneers, which I think I do, sounds like you do, you'll you'll take that coin flip at home every day of the week. Um, but let's get to the first. Uh, to me, this is a really really ugly slate outside of about three games and the Jet Monday Night games. Obviously, like just the betting wise, or you mean like just a comp- the comp? You know, just you know, there's only really three games that, that are really a big note here to me. I think and the first one is could be very much the biggest game: the Dolphins and Chiefs. In Germany, uh, both six and two teams, both uh, titans of the AFC right now. Um, Chiefs are giving one and a half in Germany again. 9.30 in the morning, Sunday morning. I'm going to be up and ready for this game for sure. Um, What do you like? I think I'm going to lay the one and a half for the Chiefs. The Dolphins. Okay. I think the Chiefs have definitively taken a step back. And okay. no one would be shocked if they turn it back up or, you know, they win another Super Bowl, they get to another Super Bowl. But I just think I look at these two teams and I don't want to fool myself. You know, I think I just like what I've seen from Miami a lot more. Yeah, I mean, sure. But I think, you know, last week, again, we talked about throwaway games for the Chiefs. Obviously, they don't score a touchdown. Uh, or, or, yeah, they, they only put up nine points against the Broncos. Mahomes with the with – the, um, Flu-like symptoms leading into the game. Uh, and, you know, the Dolphins, they play good offense, but I think against the Chiefs team that 
is, you know, coming again, coming off a bad loss. I, I would love to see Andy Reid's record coming off a loss. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs here. I, I just think that if there's, a, if there's a team that's gonna give the Dolphins a run for their money, it's got to be the Chiefs. And I think that this is, a, this could be a statement game here for the Chiefs that kind of tells the Dolphins slow your roll a little bit. Okay, well, I mean, I know this is around the league. I don't want to, but this, you know, one of the only few important games. So I, yeah, I do want to go a little bit deeper on that because I'm, I'm just a little bit surprised by the pick. Not that I think it's a bad one. Like I just said, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a Super Bowl. So I won't be surprised if they win Sunday. But if I told you that this is one of those games, like it's that playoff game, Kansas City, Buffalo, if it's a shootout, if this is a, you know, a 48 to, you know, 41 kind of game, or, you know, it doesn't have to be that outlandish. If I tell you that's the type of game this is, which offense do you trust? Well, so here's the thing. I think that if, if that's the case, sure, I understand the, the you know, taking the, the Dolphins and maybe you, you think that they're the more electric offense. Just because I think this is one of those games where these teams are just going to neglect to remember that their defenses even exist. See, but I think the Chiefs are a little bit different this year. I think the Chiefs are very much committed to making sure that Isaiah Pacheco gets gets going on the ground and they establish a little bit of a ground game and time of possession. We've seen that time to time, even even in the Jet game when Isaiah, they constantly committed to running uh, Isaiah Pacheco. I think the, the approach that Andy Reid is going to take to this game is, you know, they, he's going to acknowledge and, and I think it's kind of would be oblivious not to acknowledge that the Dolphins are the best offense in football. How do you stop the best offense? If, if you can't stop them on defense, you keep them off the field. And I think that I, I like Isaiah Pacheco in this game. I like the, the ground game here for the Chiefs. And ultimately, I think that the Chiefs' defense is is better than the Dolphins' defense. And if the Dolphins' defense is going to be on the field for most of the game and in the way I see this game going out, again, in Germany, 930, weird week for both games or for both teams, I, I think I'm going to stick with the tried-and-true uh, formula with the Chiefs. How much of a conscious change do you think that was for the Chiefs? Because, you know, we talk, I think Buffalo is trying to do it right now. Um, I feel like teams are kind of moving away from the playing football like it's a video game. Um, the Chiefs obviously have an established running game now, which they haven't really had in years past. Um, and I think other teams are looking to replicate that sort of thing. Um, do you think that that was a legitimate like conversation for the Chiefs or them being like, just just isn't the, we have no running game. Like this I, is something that we have to legitimately establish this year. Well, I think it's, it's partially that and just partially a, a contingent on Isaiah Pacheco is just good. Like he's a good running back. He runs yeah. well, and he's you know we got a guy who we, we speak about the up. we speak about the running back market, and we speak about the you know the way the way running backs are treated now. Isaiah Pacheco is in that that kind of space where it's like they don't pay him a lot of money, so you might as well just try and run him into the ground if he's if he's talented enough. Yeah, as dark as that sounds. Um, and again, Rutgers Rutgers stand up for sure. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna flip flop on that game, right? You're on the Dolphins. I'm on the Chiefs. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, let's get to the one o'clock slate. Let's let's we'll go through this a little quick. Uh, obviously, there's a couple games here that I guess matter more, but to me, just a really really ugly slate. Uh, probably the one of the better one o'clock games here, uh, maybe the best. The Seahawks head to Baltimore and face the Ravens. You already are on the Ravens giving six as your pick. Um, I like I like laying the six there with the Ravens as well. Only thing I will say for the Seahawks though. Uh, or I guess to, for the case for the Seahawks on the line there is, and I've said this before, I just feel like the Ravens are always just in games. Other than outside the Lions game where they kind of opened it up and, and kind of blew the doors off them early, the Ravens just find themselves, you know, playing real football games every week. And for a six points could be a lot for that. 
would it surprise me at all if the if the Ravens win by a touchdown and cover? Not even the slightest. So I like the Ravens there. Um, next game here, we're gonna get into some ugliness here. The one and seven Cardinals head to the Cleveland Browns. Head to Cleveland and play the Browns. Browns minus eight and a half. We do get news today that Deshaun Watson is starting on Sunday. Do we know who's playing? Or the I forget his name. It's, so it's not gonna be Kyler this week. Let's stop pretending. It's uh, it's Clayton Tune. What's up? Clayton Tune. Right. The so for the last the few days, the Cardinals have been trying to get away with some gamesmanship. They wouldn't say who their starter was. We know who it is. Um, I think with Josh Dobbs out of the facility, uh, I will take the Browns to cover nine points. It seems like a lot, uh, but I just think you're kind of you're taking a step back and almost hitting the reset button on the offense over there. So I think that sort of you know that ability to stay in games and put points on the board. I think that kind of. I don't want to say it vanishes. You're going to have to kind of rejuvenate that, rebuild that. Yeah, I I agree. I think that this is a this is a building. It's going to until I guess Kyler's in there, like you said. This is going to be just see what we got out of this kid kind of thing, uh, and against a, a team that like the Browns, that is just a vaunted, very highly thought of defense, albeit uh, kind of a underwhelming performance in in recent weeks, but still still one of the elite defenses of the NFL uh, at home. I'll lay the eight and a half. This wouldn't surprise me if it's a 10-point game. Yep. You know, um, next game, we you're, this was another one of your picks. The Houston Texans host Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Houston giving three. I'll also lay the three. Uh, I think the Baker Mayfield experience is an interesting one um, and, and one that I'm very happy the Jets did not partake in. Uh, yep. And I think that, the, again, the Texans are on the up while the, the Buccaneers are kind of on the, the down here. So I'll lay the three with the Texans there. Um, next game, another another ugly one. The New Orleans Saints hosting the Chicago Bears. Chicago, no Justin Fields still. It will be Tyson Badgett's show, uh, former Division II Heisman. Came on with a week one win with a with his first uh, or his rookie start. First start as a rookie, excuse me. Uh, with a win over the, the lowly Raiders, as embarrassing as that is. Uh, and that has kind of returned down to earth since. Um, eight's, a, eight's a big number here, but... The Saints can put up points, and I am yet to see that the Bears give up, score a lot of points in, in recent weeks. So I'll lay the eight here with the Saints at home. Yeah, me too. I think just, you know, having your Camaras or having your gadget guys and Taysom Hill, you still got two pretty good receivers, maybe three over there. Just a, a more talented roster. I don't think you're excited if you're a Saints fan. They should cover this number. They, yeah, they, they definitely should. Um, next game, will we go to two, four, and four teams? The Atlanta Falcons hosting the Minnesota Vikings. No Kirk Cousins for Minnesota. Uh, out with an Achilles injury. Um, what was the the name of the quarterback here? Is it uh, is it Jaron Hall? Is he the, the starting quarterback for the, yeah, the Vikings this week? That is the name. Yes. So the Vikings trade for Josh Dobbs from the Cardinals. Um, although not ready to play, kind of doesn't know the offense. Still takes a couple of weeks for quarterbacks to learn an offense once they arrive in a system. Um, Falcons giving three and a half. This is as much of a stay away game as I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, John Hall has a chance to make history on Sunday. Uh, if he passes for 3,099 yards, he will be the Vikings' all-time passing yards leader. <laughs> nice. That's just something that I saw when I was trying to get some information on the kid. Um, nice. I'll be watching out I, for that. <laughs> I think the Vikings would be the fun pick. Um, I, I think they've been finding ways to win games, uh, no matter who's injured and things like that. They really got themselves back into the mix. Um, and then, unfortunately, I do believe their season ended last week. Uh, I like the Falcons at home. 
Me too. I'm going to lay the three and a half here with the Falcons. Hooks scares me a little bit because the Falcons don't really score as it is. Um, although, we'll say that the the Falcons um, did the Falcons turn to uh, did they bench Ritter? I don't think so. Did I? Did I? I know. Am I making that up? Or did they? Did they? They're not going to. Um, wasn't it Heineke at the helm? Yeah, it well, is. If, if DeSanto, oh yeah, it is Heineke. Yes. Now that you say oh, Heineke, oh. I you know totally if if DeSanto accepted the offer to be the stats and info guy, everyone's life would be so much easier. Yeah, we got now. We got to do the, the podcast and look stuff up. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the work we do. Um, give me Taylor Heineke. He's a dog. He's got something to prove. I'm changing my tune in this game now that I just remember that Heineke's starting. Get a grip. I'm taking the Falcons. I love. I love Taylor Heineke. Oh, you, the biggest. What do you mean changing your tune? You you were on Minnesota. No, no. I, I mean, I was kind of on the fence to stay away game. Now I'm all in on the, the Taylor Heineke Falcons. Give me them. Yeah, you might be inputting a more competent quarterback. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Actually, I would and, say you definitely are. And and someone that is again, I don't think the Falcons are really have aspirations. They're four and four, but I don't know if they have really aspirations to do anything big this year, other than kind of develop guys. It's been a quiet, quiet couple of weeks for Bijan Robinson. Uh, Drake London's out for this game, so looking to get some some other guys involved there on the Falcons side of the ball. Um, I think this is gonna be a this is gonna be a fun kind of just. Put it all out there on the table game for the Falcons. Give me the Falcons minus three and a half. Yeah, speaking of Drake London, uh, regardless of the injury status, I do hear that in our fantasy league, he is uncomfortable. <laughs> Don't get me started. Um, the next game, the, the Rams head to Green Bay and play the lowly Packers, who came out this week and said they are uncertain if Jordan Love is the future quarterback of their team. Uh, good spot there for the, the Packers to be in, uh, not. And the Packers are giving three at home I don't understand this one. I, I don't either. Um, I, I guess I know we're expecting Stafford to play. Um, hey, I know that's what I see. Up. I don't understand this one either, and I'm all over the Rams. Uh, I don't understand where this where this comes from with the Packers. I think the first three weeks of the season, I think everyone was looking at Jordan Love and saying, "All right, so you know he's already impressing a little bit." Uh, and out of nowhere, you're kind of two and five. Your running game is non-existent. All those receivers that, you know, the Christian Watsons and all that, you had guys that, you know, even Romeo Dobbs, you had guys that you thought were going to, like, legitimately develop. I thought Christian Watson could, and I still do, could be a legitimate, like, number one receiver, perhaps, in the NFL. Uh, and you kind of just, you set the clock back with Jordan Love, and I guess that's maybe expected. Uh, maybe he's getting a, a bad rap because it is tough to follow, you know, a Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Rams, and I'm very confused about. I'm so confused about the line that it almost wipes away my conviction about the Rams. Yeah, it's it's very it's a suspicious, it's very suspicious line here. Um, albeit, you know, the Rams kind of been very uh, lackluster this whole year, I guess. But you know, we've sung their praises a bit, uh, not a bit, a lot here, and I feel like they're always in these spots where we just kind of don't understand how Vegas is evaluating them. Yeah, uh, maybe because they're still sort of loaded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then they get, you know, they're they're loaded with, they lose Kyron Williams, sure, but Daryl Henderson back this this week, um, kind of gonna probably gonna be the main guy there in the in the backfield, uh, and then the emergence of Puka Nakua as well as obviously Cooper Cup, who's arguably the best one of the best receivers in all of football. I'm taking the Rams. Uh, I think they win straight up, and therefore I think they cover. Yeah, I do too. So, uh, next game, the Commanders head to New England and play the two and six Patriots. This was a this. Aside from the Steelers, I I was very very close to making this my pick, on on one basis. Uh, rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick. Yeah. Uh, C 
see ghosts, as we very much know. And uh, the Patriots only given two and a half at home. They might not. This might be a, a ten to three game. This might be a you know a seven ten game. But I think the I think the Patriots win it, and I think that uh, Bill Belichick's vaunted rookie uh, game planning uh, shows itself again this week. Yeah, that's my exact thoughts with this game because I think at first you look at it and you go, well, which Washington am I getting? Am I going to get the Washington that scores thirty four points, or am I going to get you know a pathetic Washington? Uh, if you're going to get a good Washington, I, I don't. I just don't think it's going to be in a week against Bill Belichick. So uh, give me the Patriots. Yeah, and also the, the the Commanders, they traded away their pretty much their entire D line. So there's going to be very little pressure on on Mac Jones. I could see this game being a game That's where true. the Patriots kind of command the the ground here, and Mac Jones has some time in the pocket to make some plays. Uh, I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I love the Patriots. Kind of wish I, you know, obviously I'm going to take the Steelers. All right, I'll take the Steelers win last night, but I feel like at half at halftime of each game, talking about the Steelers and the Patriots, I'm going to feel what I felt a lot better at halftime of the Patriots than I did at halftime of the Steelers game last night. So um, I'll, t- I'll lay the two and a half there with the Patriots. Next game, the one and six Panthers host the three and five Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this might be the ugliest game in the entire yeah, schedule. I, just uh, give me the Colts and let's move on. I'll take the Panthers to win. I don't think the Colts are that good. Yeah, I don't think either team is that good. Yeah, we'll breeze over that one. That we got, we have two more games here to get to, and and they're uh, probably two of the bigger ones. Uh, here's the big 431. The Dallas Cowboys five and two head to Philly and play the only one lost team remaining in the entire NFL. Eagles are giving three at home. Vegas sees this as a coin flip. I see this as a coin flip as well. Yeah, this is and, impossible. And I I like Philly. I think I do too, just gut, you know, gut feeling that was, you know, my reaction. But, you know, we watched the Jets give Philly fits. Would you be shocked if we see Dallas do it again? They kind of, you know, they have a track record of doing it just about every other week where you just can't get anything going on offense. Um, You're right. This is a coin flip. Uh, You know what? I'll say Dallas just because you went Eagles and I I, I really could see this going either way. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, for – you find yourself looking at this game and, you know, if you're the Eagles, you could, this is a game where you, you can kind of put the, put the flag down here on the NFC East, right? You get to, you get to eight and one with the, the team behind you being, being five and three with what, seven weeks to play. That's a, that's a lot of ground to make up for yes. a team like the Eagles that, you know, it, it has asserted its dominance on multiple teams. It's, I'd say seven teams now other than the Jets. How about that? The only, the only loss is the Jets? I think that's a that might be a banner at MetLife. Uh, yeah, if, if, if they finish with one loss, they they legitimately may hang a banner. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be the Jets Super Bowl, possibly. But um, yeah, I, I like the Eagles. Uh, you know, the, the only thing I'll say, I guess, to make some sort of case for the Cowboys is, I, I think it's kind of being undersung that Jalen Hurts' knee is not a hundred percent. Um, and I think that a team like that that has enough pressure and guys like Michael Parsons on the defensive side of the ball like the Cowboys do it could could make a guy like Jalen Hurts kind of kind of nervous you hit him you hit him kind of uh you know a, a little bit early get to get some pressure on him and kind of get his get him rattled a little bit but you know Philly at home really tough place to play really just you know a tough place to go in and play and to be honest the, the Cowboys aren't Cowboys are five and two but you know they, they they put up they very impressively beat the the Rams last week, forty three twenty. That game was over at half. Yeah. Um, but you know they 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 get forty two put on them by the 49ers. 
they they play a real game against the the Chargers a week before, whereas the Eagles, you know, they they play a game last week against the Commanders that we spoke about that that you know they kind of just turned it on and I I think my exact words were they can. The Eagles can play a defensive game. The Eagles can play an offensive game, and they can win either. And I think that's a sign of an elite team. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can really say that too much about the Cowboys. So no. um, I, I'm going to take the Eagles there, minus three. Um, Sunday night, this was my pick. already gave my thoughts on it a little bit. Uh, Bengals, Bills. Bengals, four and three. Bills, five and three. Big AFC game here. Bengals giving two. I'm on minus two. Where are you at on this? Yeah, I'm, I'm there too. I just think... You know, this this uh, game kind of plays into just exactly the, the storylines going on right now. It's just I have a lot more faith in the Bengals than I do the Bills right now. It's it's really just a this moment in time kind of pick. I think any of these teams at the top of the AFC, I think it's going to be fun for years. Um, but at this point right now, I just, you know, like I said earlier, the Bills are very prone to laying an egg. They haven't really established themselves as super elite yet. Um, you know, they haven't really hit their stride. I just I, I like uh, I like Cincinnati as well. Yeah, and I think that you know the the Bills are you know it's it's interest. There's such an interesting team to kind of dissect because I love them on paper. I'm a huge Josh Allen fan, but they just I feel like every single year they just have like this these stretches or these couple of games where it just makes no sense how they, yeah. they lose these games. And I think that you know it, traditional thinking would lend you to think that if they're going to lose games that you don't think they should lose against a team whose stock is ultimately rising and, and constantly, consistently rising, I, I, how do you not take the Bengals here at home? Yeah. So, um, and, and I'll say this real quick. I don't know how you'll feel about this, but I, I made my pick at minus two. I'm looking now, and MGM has them at minus one and a half. Because, well, I mean, we're, we're doing the pick segment right now, really. We're mid-show, and we're looking at the app. You... uh you can you can have that point. Thank you, thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, that, wait, that, I guess that point really doesn't matter at all. It, it might save. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, I mean, if anything, I I guess I can't push. Right. Yeah. 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 So, but you know, get, getting that that half point is, I guess I guess something. You know, they, yeah. if they if they win by two, now I can win. So yeah. yeah. Uh, watch. They're gonna win by two. Mark it. Mark it down right now. Winning margin. Make a winning margin bet. All right. Well, I, so, I won't be able to throw a challenge flag on it. So yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Well, any other thoughts on the slate? Any other thoughts on anything we spoke about before we get out of here? This has been a long one. No, I mean I'm glad that I know the games I'm going to watch already. Yeah. There's literally it's great. Honestly, the best part about this schedule is that you. This is how the viewing schedule is going to go. Only going to watch the the Dolphins and the Chiefs, and then you're only going to watch probably the Seahawks and the Ravens. Then you're only going to watch the the Cowboys and the Eagles, Bengals, Bills Sunday night, yeah, and then Chargers Jets Monday night. Yep, easy viewing experience. I'm going to make a parlay of just those games. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. Um, let's go Jets on Monday night. Uh, I will be in attendance. Matt on the fence, as we mentioned, uh, might get a a, a Panis collab at MetLife this weekend, and uh, would be nice. Uh, that that would be very nice. So. Uh, let's go Jets this weekend. Let's go Giants too. We'll root for them. Why not? Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, definitely gonna have Brandon on to kind of give us some some thoughts on you know the the beginnings of the NBA season for sure. Definitely wanted to talk some Knicks as that keeps going. Ugly loss the other day in um, Milwaukee tonight. 
Yeah, in Milwaukee tonight, the in-season tournament in the NBA begins. Uh, so we'll see what that, that leads us to. Um, so thank you all for listening. Follow us on all our socials and peace out.